This is episode three of the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast. The podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. And we are your hosts, Caitlin Deal and James Lee. Last episode, we met with Trey Wince, the director of New Disciples for the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, and explored what it takes to make a new faith community. Well, for this episode, we wanted to go deeper into this topic and listen to the stories of actual leaders in ministry that are living out the calling to plant new churches. Church planning is creating new faith communities for people to connect with Jesus Christ and connect with a local community. This is Mike Bill, associate pastor of Sharptown United Methodist Church in Piles Grove, New Jersey, and he's also the campus pastor of Sharptown North, their second site that was launched in 2010. Before we go into kind of the past and how Sharptown North all came together, we're curious, what is Sharptown and Sharptown North right now in 2016? We are two campuses of one church. And so at Sharptown Church, um, the main campus, there is anywhere from 450 to 500 weekly attenders. Um, Sharptown North is a five-year-old campus that has grown into what is now about 90 Um, anywhere from 85 to 95 people in attendance and a mixture of kind of a small vibrant local congregation with all the services of being connected to a larger church and so that's kind of the model that we're in right now and we continue to grow into it and there's always new challenges there's always new opportunities and just trying to navigate what that means uh, because there's not too many models of that Uh, some of the uh, national models um, tend to be either mega church or just a different demo demographic or denomination or different theological implications. Uh, trying to do what we're doing inside the Northeast, we find ourselves learning and growing, but also having to uh, improvise and make it up as we go also, which is which is fun <laughs> um, and uh, challenging at the same time. I want to backtrack just a little bit. You know, when looking at Sharptown United Methodist Church, this church is a very old church, right? It has yes. a lot of tradition and it's been around for a very long time. So I'm curious about kind of like the narrative, the story of how this, you know, several hundred year old church uh, came to a place where it wanted to plant another church. I think th- the reason why I'm asking is because there are many churches throughout mm-hmm. our conference and throughout this country that are very old and have, have a long tradition, but then are also struggling uh, to continue on, I guess. Right. Uh And I think when you begin to walk down through that history from, I believe it was 1782, all the way until 1992, Sharptown Church was a a fairly healthy church, but a small church. Um, I think when our uh, current pastor, Doug, came there in 1992, there was an average attendance of 60. From 1992 uh, till the time of launch in 2008, Sharptown grew from 60 to around that 500, 550 mark. And that growth rested on the foundation of 70 and 80 year olds and a few 40 and 50 year olds who uh, were just at a place that they were ready for what God wanted uh, for them. Uh, So even though it was a small church, uh, even though it was not what anyone would have predicted in 20 years, this church will plant another church or launch a second campus or grow to 500 people or build a brand new building, and any of the things that followed in its history, maybe you would not have predicted. But there was uh, health, there was uh, a genuine spirituality, there was a genuine, you know, hunger and thirst for not only what God wanted for their lives individually, but for the congregational life. 
still, when the opportunity came to be part of, even in the early stage, not knowing what model we would tie into or even what this uh, thing looked like, we didn't have people champion, championing from the beginning, we should plan another church, we should launch a second campus. Mm-hmm. We entered into this, even our staff, somewhat reluctantly. <laughs> um, it was at the invitation of the Office of Congregational Development. It was at the I see. You know, invitation of our district superintendent to even just begin to think about this. Um, because I think every church, every leader probably runs into the opportunity of being completely consumed with what you're doing right now. Right, right. None of us feel like we're not busy enough. None of us feel like there is a lack of challenge where we currently are. Very few people in ministry are bored to the point of, I have to try something new because what's going on now is not exciting enough. Um, Often if that happens in our system, you know, there's a request for a new appointment. Uh, Rarely does that launch uh, a second campus or a new church. And so it was somewhat reluctantly, not because of a small-mindedness, but because Sharptown Church sits inside of Salem County, which is the smallest county in the state population-wise, 60,000 people. We're right in the center of the community, though. So even at, you know, 500, 550 people, there was still room, there was still work to be done inside of our community. Um, so the invitation to step into another community 12 minutes away, we didn't feel like we were adequately staffed. We didn't feel like we were adequately funded. We didn't feel as if we knew enough about how to do that, how to launch a new ministry. And we just began to take a step forward at a time from those first initial meetings with other pastors in the community. Uh, to further conversations with the district superintendent. We began to seek out some outside consultants, some people that would weigh in on the situation. The first grant we applied through for the annual conference was an exploratory grant. And I think we asked for about $35,000 to explore ministry in this community, what it could look like. Will they come to us? Do we need to go to them? Is there a need in the community for another church? Um, what are the dem- demographics look like? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? We really didn't know much about the area other than the fact it was growing and it seemed like it would be a great place to launch a church. So to answer your question, I think that there was health inside of the community at Sharptown, even when it was at 60 people in 1992. There was growth. There was excitement. There was positive DNA to do this, but we weren't out looking for this opportunity. It kind of came uh, knocking at our door and reluctantly we took one step after another after another and so i think that's the advice i would offer is um, pursue health regardless of the size regardless of the growth trend healthy things grow and things that aren't healthy whatever growth there is is going to be superficial or you know just very temporary and out of that health i think created the opportunity that when uh, the invitations came we were at least at a place to hear them and just take one step forward in, in 2007, we would not have been ready to launch a second campus with everything that uh, was involved in that, but we were ready to explore ministry in the community. I'm really curious, you know, it's really interesting because it's a little bit different because you started out with a campus of 500 and only 12 minutes away, you have another campus with about 100. Did you kind of find that a lot of people from the main campus shift over to, you know, Sharptown North because they like the smaller worship group? Or did you really just find, you know, in that community, you have 80 new people coming? Was it kind of just a merge of the two? Or 
How did you right. get new worshipers into Sharptown North? It's been different over time. Uh, for instance, when we launched, I had mentioned that we did some exploratory things inside the community, and we had a, a grant for that. We put on a soccer camp. Uh, we had partnered alongside with a community tree lighting and really tried to pour some resources and excitement into that event. Uh, we had three or four events that we did in the two years prior to even pre-launch. That, was, that involvement was people from the main campus. It wasn't all staff. It was other volunteers. Uh, so when we launched in uh, the spring of 2011, probably 25% were brand new people that we had met that were excited about joining a church. Probably about 75% of our initial population were people who had a connection to the main campus. Over time, that has morphed for a couple of reasons. One, hopefully what we're creating is a healthy environment and culture at Sharptown North where people have been invited. We've met people through some of these events, word of mouth, advertising, you know, we've grown with people who are looking for a church. We are just at the point now that I I can pretty much say that 100% of our attendants are Sharptown North people. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. Um, so I think it's very powerful when you're talking about outreach and that you actually started outreach in 2007 before you even you know, even thought about a location. I think that's important for people to know you can't just take a location and then do outreach. You started outreach way before with soccer camps and going into the community and making yourself visible. Um, so I think that's really important to know as well going into uh, church planting. And you talk about um, connection that you're making, you know, with the worshipers in Sharptown North. What kind of connection are you making with community in the community to bring people in? Of the events that we had started in our pre-launch stage, uh, the first worship service we held in the community was a uh, candlelight service in a heated tent at the park where we've done the tree lighting, getting to know families, trying to establish a little bit of a reputation. And uh, from what I've read and, and seen, unless you're this large mega church who has already this clear and visible identity inside of a community and you're just launching a new campus, uh, again, like the franchise thing, like you're McDonald's and you're well-known, and so you're opening a new McDonald's and everybody knows what to expect and the quality and the menu items and, and, and everything. Unless that's you, as a church, going into a new community and launching a new ministry or a new campus does take time. And it's probably there are way more churches that um, launch too quickly than too late. You know, So that kind of delay, that patience, uh, making sure that you're ready Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to take that leap, you know, is, is important. Mm. Awesome. You're pros now. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're a professional yeah, not... <laughs> now. <laughs> like, I got yeah. this. <laughs> you talk about steps. And um, this is one thing that uh, I think a lot of pastors would appreciate and are wondering, like, could you give us kind of a step-by-step, uh, like practical steps to take if I feel led to plant a church? We can't ignore our context that we're in. And so if you are a United Methodist pastor and this is something that God is laying on your heart that you have an interest in, um, you can't ignore the two main pieces of accountability, for lack of better words, in your life. Uh, There's got to be a conversation probably with a district superintendent. Those conversations have to happen because that is where the opportunity is going to come from, the location is going to come from, uh, some aspect of funding is going to come from. And to be able to have those conversations, especially also I think we have – leadership in our conference who are looking to do this and wondering who is ready, who's willing, who's 
wanting to step up and do it, uh, to have that conversation and begin to have those conversations. The second uh, piece, you know, or context that we are accountable to, uh, again, is the local church in which we serve. And so if you want to take a step to just plan a church in some other community that is an hour, an hour and a half away from where you are, and it's going to be a new parachute drop or some other model, but you're looking to just go and do, then maybe just the conversation with the district superintendent is first. But I think if you're looking for something like multi-site or to even just a shift uh, the missional strategy inside of your current congregation, that is not a, you know, a one-person job. And so the health of your current congregation, the understanding of the shared ownership uh, and working through the process, even the difficult process, you know, what are the hard questions that need to be worked through? Uh, where's the opposition to this? Where are the bright spots? Where are the places where we have an abundance of leadership resources that we can afford to, to share and step out in doing this? Um, those conversations need to happen. We would much rather go to, I'm going to read this book, I'm going to join this um, you know, online community of wannabe church planners, or, and, and I'm going to do this thing all from within my heart and my mind, but I think we have those other two contexts that we're, you know, accountable to. Um, the second thing, and so provided all those things are on board, I think we need to do um, some demographic work and to begin to think, um, is this just something we want to do because it's trendy, because it's cool, because whether nationally we see churches launch a multi-site or inside of our annual conference. We hear, you know, a value expressed, you know, from our bishop that we want to plant new faith communities. That motivation is fine, but where is it going to find its footing inside of a local context? Are there communities around us that have a high percentage of unchurched people? Um, Are there communities around us where the church is either absent or impotent in in terms of like its effectiveness? Um, Are there places where there is a hole that we can step into and fill? to begin to have some of those conversations. What would that look like? I think those foundational things become key because before we run to the money or before we run to the staffing or run to the methodology or the how-to or the equipment or where's the church going to meet, there has to be enough movement inside of those foundational pieces that really fuels the vision when it gets hard. when things get hard and, and all that you have is a mindset that we can meet inside of this school auditorium and I have a buddy who has an extra sound system that we can use and uh, this community over here is really cool and growing, those things only last so long. you know. And, and I think the the commitment and the clarity from a local congregation and from you know conference leadership begins to set a foundation that you can begin to build on. I want to, once again, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, you shared so much gems. Uh, before we go into the last question, I just wanted to see if you can give a word of recommendation or encouragement to other church leaders and pastors who feel called to launch a second site or launch another church. Um, if you have some words of encouragement for them, what would you say? There is a wealth of information out there. Um, it's harder to find United Methodist specific, but you know I think that if uh, inside of God's economy, you know if there's something we can learn from other denominations or non-denominations, there's truth out there that we have to wrestle through and apply it to our context inside the Northeast, inside the United Methodist Church. Um, Leadership Network does some amazing work with multi-sites, and some of their research has been tremendous. 
the Exponential Conference that meets uh, every year in, in Orlando um, has was tremendously helpful for me. Uh, I went to that for two years. Uh, we met with a consultant, and the first was just somebody that came up to do a district resource day in the, in the Delaware Bay District. We just arranged for the DS to be able to spend another hour and a half with him afterwards, and we just went and had dinner and picked his brain, and this was way early. This was 2006, probably 2007, uh, just beginning to wrestle through some of what uh, we didn't know. And uh, so I, I think that would be a, the advice. Don't be don't walk away from what you don't know, but walk towards that, you know, because there's plenty of information, experience, opportunities to be more informed and better prepared. <laughs> so we asked all of our guests one last question. Um, as you know, as United Methodists, we love food. We're the Uncovered Dish podcast. And so if you had a choice of one dish that you can eat the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what would that one dish be? So I'm limited to one food to eat every meal yes. for the rest of your life. Well, that changes things because even your most favorite dish could not become, you know, your favorite after a while. <laughs> um, I think after me eating chicken parm for six meals in a row, though, even that might that might be, cure begin to wear your... down a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah, but for the sake of things, I'll go with uh, a good chicken parm. Awesome. There you go. Very cool. Thank you so much. Sharptown, Maine has services at 830 and 1115 in the main campus in Pilesgrove. And they have a 10 o'clock service at Sharptown North, which meets at the Woolwich Municipal Building. And if you want to find out more information, you can go to sharptown.org. Thank you again for coming. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Before our next guest, Yoon Kim, comes on, we wanted to highlight some of his talent and the music coming from him and his church. So here, take a listen. And I can't get enough No, I can't get enough Of your amazing love No, I can't get enough And I just wanna be to Yoon Kim and Ginny Ree singing Where You Are by Leland Mooring produced by Stephen Ju at Greenhouse Music. To hear the whole song and future songs coming out, be sure to visit and donate to Stephen Ju, that's S-T-E-V-E-N-J-U dot bandcamp dot com. Alright, so our next guest is Yoon Kim. He is the worship pastor at Greenhouse Church, which is a brand new church plant. They originally had a campus in East Brunswick, and this summer they just uh, launched a new site in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Uh, Yoon is originally from uh, Queens, New York. Actually, he still lives there, so he drove all the way down from Queens just to be with us today. Uh, he is a graduate from Nyack College. Uh, he, before joining Greenhouse, Yoon was uh, the worship pastor at New Covenant Church in Queens. Now he is uh, co-leading with Ginny Ree at Greenhouse Church. That was a long intro, but 
Welcome. Thank you, Yoon, to, for joining us. I'm very excited you're here. here. The drive was definitely worth it. <laughs> we were just in the studio cranking out a track, and there you go. now I'm here with you guys. Awesome to be here. Awesome. Great. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? We know you're from Queens, and you're a musician. And you know, what else? Can you tell us how you got to where you are today? Hmm. Actually, it's funny that right now I get referred to as a musician because actually, like growing up, I was just an, I was an athlete. I was a oh. hardcore athlete. Played three different sports in high school. Could have played four. I played baseball, football, and uh, basketball. Baseball was my primary sport and wow. so um yeah growing up ever since like i think it was like fifth grade um wanted to be a baseball player actually and had a division one scholarship waiting for me at stony brook i could have had that if i really pursued it just chose not to go through with it because i felt very strongly towards the end of my junior year about my calling towards pastoral ministry and ever since then just been praying seeking out a lot of mentors and i've been nurtured in my calling for pastoral ministry and so yeah, that's in regards to my calling and I guess a little bit about my past. Um, yeah, I was very passionate about baseball, but then now more passionate about worship, pastoral ministry. That's where I guess my calling was kind of discovered in high school. So, yeah. And here you are today. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, greenhouse and church planting. Now, we really want to get more into why do we plant churches? We believe, we have a strong conviction, the leaders at Greenhouse Church, that it is essential that we church plant in order to be faithful to the Great Commission of Matthew chapter 28. And basically it goes down to interpretation of the passage. People may disagree with this, but we believe that in Matthew 28, it does. it's not just a call to evangelize people. And it's a call to make disciples, right? But it expounds on what making a disciple is. It's, and one of the things that it says is to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like in the book of Acts, it shows us what baptism really is, which is that a person uh, gets himself involved in a corporate body, a community, a family of faith, where they make a confession that, you know what? My old life is gone and my new life is here and I want to be held within accountability. I want to be held within boundaries. Ultimately, what is that corporate body? What is that, you know, worshiping group? It's a church. And the second thing is actually you can look in uh, the scriptures and see kind of how the Apostle Paul did ministry. And one of the big things is he would go into different regions and inside of those regions, he would not only evangelize people, he would not only proclaim Christ and preach the gospel, but what would he do in these large regions? He would plant churches. To play devil's advocate, you know, some Christians, uh, some Christians would argue, you know, back then there were no churches in those areas, right? It was, you know, Paul was going to these areas where it was, there were, Christianity was completely unknown. So planting churches made a lot of sense. But now, you know, in today's day, right, we have churches that are closing, right? So I guess it's a two-part question. One is, you know, shouldn't we be putting our resources to... Um, churches that are dying rather than starting new ones and the second part of that of my question would be why is greenhouse church planted in fort lee which is a place where there are many churches already there a lot of we get that question a lot actually james like people say like why are you guys planting a new church there's so many churches inside of this region you know and our church plant we did a study i think it was a 2015 study uh that was released by the rca 
um, about where uh, the region of Fort Lee particularly is going in terms of its spirituality, right? And the statistics all point to the fact that um, we need new churches within these regions because the old churches are just not reaching them. One of the things that it shows is that a lot of these traditional churches that are already been planted a while ago that are in these regions, they're very like, like this isn't a bash at them, but it's just something that happens naturally. They're stuck in their ways. And in order to reach out to people who have been de-churched, unchurched, and mischurched, you know, people who have been hurt by the church, people who have never been to church, and people who have been inside of the church and kind of went away from it, in order to reach these people, like, we need to contextualize. So what is different about Greenhouse that will attract and draw new members to you guys? So I think for Greenhouse, our, our particular distinction is that we are a missional church. We're a church that always seeks to reach out to people. We don't exist apart from reaching out to people. We're always thinking, how can we contextualize? How can we understand culture better so that we can reach out to people with the gospel, so that we can show people Christ through our living and ultimately through our church? So that's our distinction as Greenhouse. Can you give an example of like how you guys really touched somebody and brought them in? At the Hilton, sometimes they assign us a security guard. <laughs> yeah. And okay. so um, there's uh, we have a brother in our church. His name is Alex. He, he comes from time to time. It's, it's difficult for him to come every single week because of his job. But he was one of those security guards that Hilton just assigned to our, our church. Wow. And then he ended up being in our worship service, and he was tremendously blessed. And I remember, I think Pastor Hoon was telling me, who's our lead pastor, he was telling me uh, how he was having lunch with Alex, and then Alex was telling him, you know, I'm so thankful, you know, for this past Sunday because, you know, I, I have a church family now. That's awesome. Say I am a pastor or a lay leader, mm. someone in the church, and God is moving me to plant the church. What's the first thing that I do? I think you got to discern your calling. You know, like that's huge. You know, for myself, the way that I discern my calling, this is my biblical conviction, is that calling, it, it, it requires two things. That you approach it with wisdom and you, you go about it in faith. Right? And so let's talk about the wisdom aspect. Ask yourself the hard questions. What is like, what's my vision? You know, what are, what are some of the motives that I may have behind planting a church? You know, um, do I just want to get out of the church uh, that I'm at right now because of bitterness? Do I want to just get out of the church that I'm at right now because I'm hurt? Because I don't like the way things are going? Or do I really feel God calling me to plant a church with a, uh, a group of people? You know, like another thing, get the opinion of people that you trust. Yeah, that's huge. Um, that includes your peers, but also leadership. People who are above you. Uh, if you don't have someone directly above you in the ministry, I would say ask a mentor what they think. So yeah, the wisdom part of it. And then the second part of it is this. You're never going to know what the right or wrong thing to do is. There are a lot of things that are very implicit and we need to approach those things with faith. So as you go about it with wisdom, as you ask yourself the hard question, um, also remember that what it's going to come down to is you need to go in faith. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think that's what I would say to someone who's thinking about planning a church. 
approach discerning your calling with wisdom and then ultimately don't shy away from having to make the decision of faith go in faith after a certain point after you've asked yourself those hard questions take that step yeah with a group of people obviously of course yeah never yeah. alone mm, don't do it alone yeah. yeah of course not i'm gonna ask the question financially i don't know like how you know all these churches are like you know they don't have money to even sustain themselves so how you how is church planning how are you guys getting the money to build a new church granted satellites and a hotel but that all comes with money and so how do you balance your ministry going outreach and paying the rooms and yeah meetings and prayer that's that's how you approach finances <laughs> or church planning meetings as in start booking a lot of meetings try mm -hmm. to find people to impart your vision into try to get people who will support you financially or not just financially but also in prayer and the second thing is this pray for god's provision pray for like, money yeah believe <laughs> like i i think we we we've become such a generation that we've forgotten about the miraculous works of god like and i i just want to call our generation back into believing for god's miraculous provision because i've seen it in this church plan like there was a time where we were just completely broke and we're still kind of broke but <laughs> <laughs> So that answers the question. Thank you, UMC. We're not broke because of you at this point. No, but I'm kidding. But no, we're we're still struggling financially. You know, we're having a hard time. You know, all jokes aside, like, but at the same time, we have what we need. You know, by the grace of God, and it's because of those meetings, but also because we've prayed. We've prayed for that provision. Pray for provision of the Lord. I want to do a quick like plug in with you for your music. So you're also a musician. I know yes. you're, you're recording here in the studio later today. Mm. Um, I don't know. Is there any way we can hear more of your music? We more heard a little bit music. before, but is there any is there any um, anything we could look forward to? You know what I mean? Well, so our worship ministry at Greenhouse Church is called Greenhouse Music, and we have a lot of things in terms of our vision that we want to implement. But you know, being that given that it's our early season in church and that we just planted it's hard to kind of get to that those projects immediately but like for example one of the things that we want to do is we want to release an ep like maybe in like the next year like or something like that that's just the immediate like the immediate plan right now but things can change you never know so just check us out you know like uh stay in the loop on our facebook page you can search us greenhouse church if not you can contact me at yoon at greenhouse.church that's my email address like if you ever need a worship team in terms of you know like a retreat or a revival or a conference we are always available for that yeah. but it's just amazing music and uh you know Thank you. We're looking forward to hearing more. All thank right? you. Thank you. So, um, Caitlin, do you want to ask the last question or do you we want me are, to do it? You we have a last question. So, as you know, that we are the uncovered dish. And the question that we ask all of our guests after their interview with us is if you had to choose one dish that you had to choose, oh, breakfast, man. lunch, and dinner for the rest of your life, what would that one dish be? No variations. Oh my goodness. He's a tough one. <laughs> this is hard. This is hard. Wait, so it like no variations as in like it can't be a different type of the dish? Like for right, example, right, right. if I said pasta, it can't be like No, 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 no. No, no. Like one one dish. kind of pasta. Oh, this yeah. is exactly so the same hard. breakfast, lunch and dinner for the rest of your life. I would have to say New York City pizza. Wow. I can't live without it. Just cheese, regular yeah, New York just City. Regular slice. But it has to be lunch, New York. Dinner, like. So what's the difference between New York pizza and New, New York. Jersey pizza? It has, 
because it's just something about it. Yeah, New York City pizza. I I can't right. I can't live without that. New York City pizza it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh Yoon, thanks for coming on the podcast. We're really excited. Thank you. Thank Again, you. uh Yoon is the worship pastor at Greenhouse Church. You can find out more information at greenhouse.church. Yes, that's the website. Yes. yes. Um uh they have services at 10:30 a.m. at the DoubleTree Hilton in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and they also have uh service in their East Brunswick campus at 1:30 p.m. That's uh, at Calvary Korean United Methodist Church. So you walk inside, just say, hey, where's Greenhouse Church? It's in their uh, mother church. So yes. uh, 10.30 at Fort Lee and 1.30 at, um, at Calvary in East Brunswick. For sure. All right. So thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very you. much. All right. God bless. Thank you again for tuning in today's podcast. If there are any topics you'd like us to uncover or any comments for us, you can email them to podcast at gnjumc.org. We will be posting a new podcast every other Wednesday. So if you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to be up to date on the latest episodes. We'll talk to you soon. There is nothing like your love, your love.